Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Everyone, I hope you are all well and welcome back to another Ilmfeed podcast with your host Shabir. And uh, very excited for this one. Why? Because we are welcoming back uh, a previous guest of ours. And actually, it's 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 because of your demands and your comments, mashallah. Uh, in the comments, we've had a few requests to bring this particular guest back. Um, this only, by the way, the second time that we've you know in- reintroduced uh, a repeat guest. First one was Sheikh Hasib Noor, I believe, uh, and this time we have the pleasure of uh, welcoming back uh, our dear Ustad Asim Khan. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you, Sheikh? Jazakallah khair for inviting me back. Alhamdulillah, it's good to have you back. It's definitely good to have you back. Uh, we had you on uh, episode six, I believe. Um, completely different because that one we discussed um, like Arabic language yeah. and studying abroad in Egypt, etc. It's interesting because I remember I, I messaged you as well recently because I went to uh, I went to an event um, and one brother pulled me to the side at the event and I've never met him before. He's was, was outside of London and he was like, oh, I just want to say Jazakallah Khair, thank you so much. And I was like, oh, why? And he said, oh, you know, I listened to your podcast with um, Ustad Asim and uh, the moment I heard it, I basically made my mind up that I want to study abroad in Egypt. I booked my tickets. Wow. I went out there for a few months and now I, I know Fusha Arabic. Mashallah. And Mashallah. I was like, wow, subhanAllah. I was like, what? You're telling me that it was just by listening to the episode. He's like, yeah, it motivated me to do something. So I was like, alhamdulillah. wow, alhamdulillah. That's, alhamdulillah. that's so amazing. And obviously it shows that, inshallah, there is there is benefit. And, and thank you to our viewers and listeners as well, mashallah, that they've taken the initiative to actually you know, take these tips yeah. on board. And one, of, one of my teachers would say that good words are like raindrops. Mm. You never know where one is going to land. Yeah. So he said, so basically try to <clears throat> say as many good things in your life as possible. You don't know the effect it will have and where what. it will land. And especially with social media. You know, yeah. You can say something good and it can just spread to different parts of the world, subhanAllah, and it can affect people in such a positive way. Alhamdulillah. It's amazing, alhamdulillah. But yeah, it's good to have you back. And um, yeah, so like I said, last one was about Arabic and you know studying. Today's one's going to be a bit different, let's just say, right? Different is a good word, yeah. <laughs> let's say it's going to be definitely uh, quite different. So for those of you who don't know, obviously, Ustad Asim, is, uh, he's an imam, as well as uh, he's an advisor for the Islamic Council of Europe, where he will deal, he deals with a lot of, you know, marriage reconciliation uh, issues. So we're going to kind of discuss that and tap into that today. It's a huge thing. Uh, marriage, of course, is is something that is always spoken about, but then we have the other side to it as well which is you know unfortunately sometimes there can be conflicts within the marriage um and and people you know they don't know who to turn to a lot of the times um and then they would use services like 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 yourself uh, sheikh and they'd come to the imam to kind of like you know seek some advice inshallah today we thought we'd, we'd speak about this in, in, t- in the episode uh but i wanted to do something very different that we've never done before okay. uh on on the show today right which i haven't fully prepped you uh for uh what we're planning to do is something which i'm going to call the not so quick fire round Okay, because <laughs> it's not quick fire because that would be like a yes or no. Okay. But because the questions are a bit more detailed, you know, we'll give you a bit of time to kind of to kind of answer. Is that all right? Inshallah, yeah? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's all going to be to do with marriage, by the way. So for those of you yeah, wondering yeah. what this is going to be about, it's all questions to do with marriage, hot topics, things that people speak about uh, a lot today. Uh, so I don't know how this is going to go. Let's let's see. Shall you ready? Chef? Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so uh, they're not so quick fire rounds. The first time we're trying it ever um, after all these episodes in. Uh, first question to do with marriage is, can uh, the younger sibling get married before the older sibling gets married? 
Okay, so is this to do with you? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> okay, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, yeah. Salatu Wassalamu Ala Rasulillah. Uh, technically, no. There's no order uh, set in the Sharia about you know siblings getting married. Yeah. But my advice is, if it can be done in a way that everyone is happy and everyone's marriage is done in yeah. a way that is appropriate, then why not? Mm-hmm. You know, because it would make your parents happy, it would make the family happy. The problem is when it comes to extremes, yeah. and people are left in the lurch for many years just because you know the person above, <clears throat> sister or brother, just doesn't want to get married. That's yeah. a, that's a problem. Yeah, definitely. Okay, brilliant. That is a very common question, by the way. That's that's asked a lot of the times because yeah. because like you said, there is an ideal way of doing things, but there is there are many cases where the younger sibling is kind of just left, yeah, you know, like you know, uh, waiting. Like they're ready or proposal has come, but then because of these kind of like because um, it's order that's in place, maybe based on culture, it's like no, 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 you have to wait. So they wait two, three years, and then obviously that can lead to kind yeah of problems. I, isn't I've it? seen extreme cases. I mean, there's um, there's someone who is almost in his forties. Really? Almost in his wow. 40s, yeah. I mean, this is such a nice person, religious so person, good family, but they're just really stuck on that thing. You can't unless your older sibling gets married first, wow. and that's that's a huge problem. I actually had a message recently on Instagram from a sister who basically said, asked a similar question, yeah, and basically turned around and said, she, she, she basically came clean and said, Look, I've been dating a guy for mm. three years. I've been in a haram relationship, and that's only the case because my parents have said no because my older... Uh, sibling yeah. isn't yet married so it's like you know though it's not the right way of going about things but then at the same time there has to be you know, there has to be yeah. some sort of help from the other side you know to make to make the situation easier um but anyway that that was the first question let's move on to question two which is uh can you get married uh, to someone who's basically outside of your culture um so again technically yes yeah. um and <clears throat> it is advisable to seek someone who's of a similar social status and understanding uh, yeah. that's fuqaha mentioned this as well and many times a person who's part of the same culture you don't realize this you think you've been brought up born and brought up in the UK so mm. you know you're cosmopolitan you don't have much cultural baggage but you do you do. You're very cultural. Your food is it needs to be in a particular way. Your dress sense, you know, your habits, they are all mm. very much defined by culture. Maybe not to the same extent as your parents. But when you get married and to mm. someone who's from another culture, that becomes apparent straight away. So the problem here is that technically, yes, yeah. you can. So long as you don't expect your wife, who's mm. from another culture, to become, let's say, Pakistani. Or your parents yeah. don't expect her to become Pakistani and mm. she doesn't expect you to become maybe Gujarati for example yeah. yeah if you don't have that expectation then go ahead and get married but you need to have a, a long hard think about that you know are you okay with mm. somebody remaining on their culture and if yeah. that answer is yes fine but many times people struggle with this so we always yeah. advise try to get married to someone within your culture if not there's nothing wrong with then looking outside so long as with this understanding yeah Brilliant. Okay, sound sound advice there. Moving on to question number three, uh, which is is a common kind of misconception we could say, mm-hmm. is uh, an arranged marriage um, the same as a forced marriage? Because you know some people might have this idea that yeah, we, we, we <coughs> should, maybe we should define both as well. I guess I suppose everyone's had that experience where they're talking to a non-Muslim colleague. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "So how did you get married?" <laughs> and like, "Oh, it was arranged." And their face drops like, "Oh." God, you must be so unhappy. (laughs) So, um, yeah, no, arranged marriage basically means that you don't date before you get married to this person. And uh, perhaps the person that you chose to get married to was uh, suggested Mm. 
to you by your parents or family. Um, and uh, the benefit of that is mm. your parents, they know who you are. Uh, they also have the experience and mm. they suggest people that they think are best suited for you. Then you have a series of meetings, you ask questions. And if you're satisfied that this is the right person, you go ahead and get married. That's what you call an arranged marriage. Obviously, a forced marriage is one where it's against your will. Mm. Whether it's from your family, whether it's not from your family, you don't want to get married to this person, but despite you not wanting to, it's forced upon you. So yeah. there's a big difference between the two. No, but you, you mentioned the important part of the arranged side of things, which is that there is a series of meetings. It's not the fact that, because like, a lot of people think, oh, you have no idea who you're getting married to. Yeah. You're going to see them on the day. And you're going to find out what their name is on the day when you sign the contract yeah. and see their name. But it's not like that, right? Like, there is a way of getting to know about that person, getting to know who you're, you know, who you're getting married to, in other words, who you're committing your, your life to, right? There is. Even even yeah. the Prophet, <clears throat> he advised the person who's getting married to look at the person of interest mm. to see whether there is attraction there. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting because we we all know the hadith of the Prophet who's when he said that a, mar- a woman is married for four reasons, mm. and then the last of them was her religiosity, mm. um, and that one we know to be the most important as well. Yeah. We'll speak about that maybe later on. But Imam Ahmad has an interesting saying. He says that at first a person should check for attraction, and then religiosity. Mm. Yes, yeah, so beauty comes first, and then the religion comes second. And it's almost as if it's in conflict with the famous hadith, but it's not. Imam mm. Ahmad rahimahullah was saying that because if you ask about a girl, let's say, and you find out that she's religious, maybe she mm. prays five times a day and she dresses modestly, and then you say, okay, let's have a meeting, and you see that you're not attracted to her. Now you would have declined someone knowing that they are religious as well. Mm. You would have declined a religious person. So Imam yeah. Ahmad saying, if you flip that around and say, hang on, first, let me t- don't tell me about her religiosity, but would I be attracted to her? And if the answer is yes, and then the next step is what? Well, she's also religious, you're going to marry her now. Interesting. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a very wise, uh, very wise statement, but I think it does highlight the importance of getting married to someone that you are uh, attracted to. Mm, definitely. Okay, interesting stuff. And the final, we'll leave it at this, the final, because we've had so much to discuss, uh, bring a, bringing a bit of heat and spice to this conversation, <laughs> which is that uh, can a man get married uh, for the second time in secret without telling his first wife? Yes, yeah, so this is the part I get in trouble, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, it's, actually a, it's actually a growing trend, I've noticed, really? in certain communities, yeah. Um, where there is a person, you know, he's married for mm. quite a long time, maybe 20 years with children, then goes ahead and gets a second marriage, but in secret. Right. And they often ask this question, that is it permissible? Mm. The answer that I give is that mm. technically your that marriage is valid, mm. even if you didn't tell your first wife, but I would highly advise against that yeah. for a number of reasons. One of them is that, um, the life that you're going to now live is a double life mm. and in order to maintain it you're going to have to tell a thousand lies yeah, yeah. so the nikah may be valid but those lies are totally haram yeah. you know the, you think about that how many times are you going to be aware then explain to your first wife oh actually it was about this when in mm. fact when it was about that so you're you're trapped in a web of lies the other reason is because um, usually those marriages don't last mm. and the person not only loses his first wife and perhaps the children turn against him yeah. But also the second wife 
may see that well he wasn't very trustworthy when it came to his first wife mm. so what then about me yeah yes i'm going to be of less significance than the first one so uh if a person is going to do this we advise them do it openly and do it properly um you know and then the decision is this <laughs> but it's important to to clarify that obviously so from a legal point of view it's is valid the nikah yeah. is valid but then what we're saying is like morally it's it's wrong because it's a technicality it's like yeah. saying you know um it's a bit of a crude example but horse manure is uh, is not najis according to sharia it's not impure yeah. that doesn't mean you should sit on a pile of horse yeah, poop of course. <laughs> <laughs> do you get it so yeah. looking at things technically <coughs> yeah. is is a very narrow minded way yeah, of making exactly. big decisions like this and like you said it's it's it's, it's a double life and obviously it, it can cause a lot of problems down Huge the line problems. we see Huge we see problems, it every day it's, yeah. uh, it's you know the the first wife she she goes crazy basically and yeah, understandably yeah. understandably but uh, it's not just that she then demands a divorce mm. it's that the whole family turn against you and your own children are caught up in the middle well, yeah, your children yeah. are caught up in the middle some of them you know they young adults now um and that type of trauma that's yeah. created may have repercussions on them later mm. on in their lives and you know you're 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 going to be responsible for that mm. you're going to be responsible for that so uh, it's something very um complicated think about you it said it's a growing trend yep. why do you think that is why why is that a growing trend for i i think it's a, a growing trend because of um the fact that the world has become a small village okay. so a lot of these brothers when they get married a second time they'll go to places like morocco mm. or, or other um other countries yeah and uh because you know they're getting married outside of the culture is not as um uncommon or there's no stigma attached to it they mm. can easily get married again and it's almost like you know every now and again they will go to this country and spend time with their second wife and then come back and they romanticize it like that yeah but the reality on the ground is is quite different so i think mm. because easy access because traveling because of low cost airlines perhaps yeah, yeah. uh this type of lifestyle has become a bit more accessible mm. there may be obviously other reasons as well perhaps that people are not as happy as they wish they could be yeah. in a marriage and that's a that's a big discussion in and of itself people's expectations of what marriage is supposed to be like mm. you know if you been born and brought up on bollywood movies and then the day comes for your <laughs> exactly, marriage yeah. you you've got a big <clears throat> expectation as to what you want to get you know what you expect from this marriage yeah. the other thing is that when you don't get it and when the romance isn't as wonderful as you imagined and the love begins to fade mm. the fact that we live in such a sexualized society and the fact that you know um mixing with other people is so easy at mm. work on the street online or social exactly. media is a recipe of disasters created which is that i believe that i should have a romantic loving marriage mm. that's my expectation yeah yeah and at the same time not only am i not getting it but i'm kind of getting something similar from my work colleague Mm. Yeah, or online this person showing interest in me and don't i deserve in, to be someone who's loved to have happiness etc etc and the shaitan just comes along mm. and takes big time advantage of that yeah. and you find yourself in a haram relationship mm. you find yourself being unfaithful and unfortunately that is a growing trend i'm seeing yeah. that as an imam i'm seeing that as uh, someone who works in a shri council and it's really devastating because you'd think okay maybe it's brothers right being unfaithful I probably think that it's equal for sisters as well. And they're not, you know, people that are far away from the religion, they're people that are practicing, mm. that pray, that 
cover up etc etc yeah. and and they they ended up they end up doing you know really really horrendous things where they're f- having affairs mm. and uh, you're you're thinking to yourself what happened there how did you go down that path and again it comes down to why did you get married in the first place and this is an important point i think a lot of people they struggle to yeah. understand this if you stood in oxford street and asked 100 people what's a good reason to get married people will come and answer like because you're in love for romance for companionship maybe to avoid being lonely you know mm. a lot of people suffer from loneliness and just to avoid being lonely they just want some companionship the, yeah they just want someone in life and all those reasons though they're not negative or yeah. bad <clears throat> that's not the reason why the prophet ﷺ told us to get married yeah. yeah so it's very interesting he said in an authentic hadith and nikah min sunnati fa man lam ya'mal bi sunnati fa laysa minni that uh, marriage is from my tradition and whoever turns away from my tradition i have nothing to do with him and the other hadith that either the zawj al-abd faqad istakmal nisf al-din when a slave gets married he completes half of his religion mm. yes which is disputed hadith but the meaning i'm sure we all know about it and some scholars said it's is authentic as well it it really does give us a different perspective on marriage mm. because the person in both hadith is saying that marriage is a religious decision mm. supposed to benefit you religiously as if to say marriage is supposed to make you into a better muslim yeah can help you complete your faith your next step towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if you got married on mm. the basis that i'm doing it to become a better muslim not just because i want a loving romantic relationship with somebody else mm. even though i do want those things but this is the main underlying reason later on when the love fades mm. it goes up and down and somebody else shows you interest maybe at work mm. you're going to be like i got married to stop myself doing these kind of things yeah i got married to protect myself from zina mm. why then am i going to entertain uh, you know advances of other people i got married for this very reason yeah. do you see but if you got married for love and romance mm. then this becomes a lot more difficult to say no to Yeah yeah. Yeah so getting married for the right reasons is 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 super important. Yeah. I think so one thing you mentioned which is that living in a like overly or hypersexualized society that is obviously clearly having an effect on people. So you know this, uh, this r- romanticized idea of almost like I don't know from from it's not this is not the case always of course not but you know with brothers for example when it comes to marrying again then it's 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 feeding into this whole idea of you know sometimes they use even the deen to justify mm. so one thing I've, i don't know if you agree with this but sometimes like i've spoken about it before where you know, some brothers over like right yeah and no, i'm doing it because it's a sunnah so i'm like okay fine i mean we're not denying that the yeah. prophet sallam married so, you know multiple times but you know so is for example you know being good to your spouse helping out at home all of these things are from the sunnah but because yep. they're not as appealing we only use the sunnah when it kind of when it suits us does that make sense what i'm trying to say yeah no, no people people use yeah. the quotation from the quran and sunnah for their own benefit all mm. the time both sides men, yeah. men and women um but i think um the the fact is that no one <clears> can dispute that having a happy marriage means a happy life mm having a happy marriage means that you become a stable more productive individual and the opposite of that you know one brother spala recently is going through marriage problems i think he's been separated from his wife for i think coming up to a few months now mm. very really struggling he's he's almost on the verge of depression and uh, he said that you know there's only two times in my life right now that i i feel relaxed number one when i'm sleeping and number two when i'm praying mm. 
because you know when you have a problem with your marriage mm. it permeates into a problem at work mm. in the masjids with friends everything just becomes tainted because yeah. the home is that one place we need to find relaxation calmness and if that is a problem area it just spills out into every other part of your life yeah. that's why marriage is you know is super important to be clear on how you need to invest in it how much effort you need to put into it and how you need to maintain it and i think mm. maintenance of a marriage is where people they, they need some help and guidance yeah i remember hearing once um you know going going to the story with aisha radhanha you remember when there was this incident of the the ifk you know this fabrication yes. this lie that was made against her um and i remember you know hearing from from a sheikh once he was saying that you know during that time she felt quite ill yeah um and she obviously had no idea what was going on so for about a month she was at home and and she was quite ill and obviously the prophet sallam knew awesome. you know what the people were saying and and what the the medinas were talking about at the time um and the sheikh mentioned an interesting point he was like you know it, you know how the hadith mentions how prophet sallam would come just ask her how she's doing and, and that was it like yeah. even aisha mentions he wasn't the same as he would normally be with me so he was saying that the reason why she felt quite ill and not the same was because she suspected hmm. from the prophet sallam that awesome. in terms of their relationship in terms of their marriage things weren't the same so it, his point was basically like it has an effect you know when the husband is down the wife is going to be down and vice versa yeah yeah so i thought that was quite a, a profound point that he it mentioned it is it is i mean look the prophet said him he is the strongest toughest you know most resilient person awesome. this world has ever seen mm. yet allah began and ended his mission with a woman by his side which is phenomenal if you think mm. about when he stumbled out the cave received revelation for the first time he was he was shook he was really uh, you know laqad khashitu ala nafsi said mm. to his wife you know i fear for myself i think i've gone mad yeah. but the first person he went to in his most difficult moment wasn't his bestie it wasn't somebody else yeah. it was his wife mm. khadija zammiluni zammilu cover me up cover me up she covered him up she consoled him she gave him words that reassured him she took him to her cousin waraqa who affirmed that you become a prophet of god and that helped him and yeah. then fast forward the last days of his life you know going through the pangs of death in and out of consciousness with a fever who is he with his then wife aisha sitting in her lap in one ration mm. in her arms and that is how he left this worldly abode with a woman in the beginning and at the end as if to say that if he despite being so tough and strong and resilient was made better mm. with a woman by his side what then about the rest of us you know and i think this is why i don't like when brothers they they joke around a lot about marriage even sisters as well the marriage is always the butt of the joke you know uh, either it's about you know brothers needing to get a visa to go for chicken chips or sisters <laughs> talking about dark rain clouds talking about their husbands you know it's fair enough you enjoy, even in a nikah okay yeah. i did a little speech and i mentioned the importance of not being so negative about marriage yeah, yeah, okay yeah. and the guy went off i don't think he was listening because yeah. the first thing he said is I had that there's a hadith that whoever gets married completes half of their religion as for me I was completely finished. <laughs> so, oh That's exactly what I was saying. Don't do that. Uh, a very fun uh, joke is fine but yeah, yeah. you know nowadays marriage is often spoken about in a very negative way mm. ball and chain you know you're tied down are you yeah. sure you want to do this. But for the process of them you know the year that Khadija passed away is named is dubbed as Amal Huzn the year mm. of sorrow. Yeah. And the companion said that after he buried her he wasn't seen smiling for months on end. 
You know, mm. that, 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 that's what his marriage meant to him. Mm. And he, he loved her so much that in later years, his then wives, Aisha and others, they would become so jealous because he would keep talking about her. Yeah, mm. Aisha, she said, you know, I've never been so jealous of one of his co-wives as I am about Khadija, even though I never saw her. <laughs> she never even got to see Khadija. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in, in one narration, she says that, you know, I said to him unkind words about Khadija, something to the effect of Allah has given you someone much better, someone younger, more fertile, you know, why don't you let go? Mm. And the Prophet she said that his face changed color and he became angry and he said, Allah never replaced me with someone better. When oh. I first came and I told people to believe, they said, Kadabta, you're a liar. Mm. And she said, no, you're a man of truth. Mm. And I said, I never <laughs> put my mouth after that day <laughs> about Khadija. This is yeah. a halal type of jealousy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's another narration <clears throat> I remember reading this narration, I was, it, brought, it reduced me to tears because I've never heard about a love like this. It's the narration about Allah Mahala. So Khatija, she had a sister whose name is Hala. And many years after Khatija has passed away, Aisha says that Hala, she visited us. She came and I was sitting in front of the Prophet inside her home. Hala, she knocked and she asked permission to come inside. And the Prophet I saw that he, he got up. His face, irtaha, became lit up and he said, Allahumma hala, oh Allah, it's hala. She said, I became so jealous because I knew that just hearing the voice of her sister made him so happy. Mm. The voice mm. of the sister of Khatija made the person so happy because it reminded her him of Khatija. What type of love is this? Yeah. You know, this is the type of love that people This is not the hear. type of love that you're going to see on social media, the overly yeah. romanticized, you know, stuff, right? This is, this is like, you know, this people, people, true. yeah, this, this is real love, man. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's real love. You know, one thing, um, I was going to ask you, I, I know we haven't got to the main kind of uh, point of discussion yet, but since you mentioned it, I mean, so you mentioned how marriage is seen as something negative nowadays, right? And you also mentioned earlier on, like, you know, if if you were to stand in Oxford Street, for example, in a busy shopping mall and ask yep. people, a hundred people about marriage, what, what they would say, I feel like today, even Muslims, amongst Muslims, and, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, that. People are starting to kind of uh, lose sight of the importance of marriage, mm. the institu- institutional marriage. You know, so if you ask someone, they're like, "Well, I love someone, so what's what's a paper going to do? Yeah. What's you know, Mister and Missus going to do? Like, if I love someone, even Muslims, like I've heard them say, like, I don't need to get married. Wow. And it, so it, kind, it comes back to obviously, we know it's an act of worship; it's completing half of your deen, but. You know, why do you think that is, and and what is what? What would you respond to someone who, for example, says, "I don't believe marriage is important. I can just cohabit with, I can live with someone." Yeah. So I mean, times have changed a lot, but cheating is still considered a really bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Cheating is still considered like you know, if yeah. you do it, you are at the wrath of yeah, a lot yeah. of people now. You're a cheater and mm. you're tainted. And the reason being is because when you're cheated on, that feeling of being destroyed, of your trust being shattered. Is something people can and relate to as being one of the worst things. Yeah. But what created the environment where cheating became so easy? One of the things was there was no official commitment to that relationship in the first place. Mm. It's really interesting the way people talk about, you know, relationship goals. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when do you become exclusive? When are you semi-exclusive? What does being exclusive mean? Uh, and you know, there's no real code around what it means to be a loyal faithful you know some people they're like it's okay if someone looks at my uh, other half so long as they don't speak to her some people like it's okay if some people look and talk as long as they don't touch and you're like whoa what's going on here 
what is right, what is wrong. Yeah, yeah. But subhanAllah, when you have commitment, you have created the environment for a successful relationship. Mm. So when two people get married and they have a contract, and the Quran calls it mithaqan ghalidah, mm. which means a very heavy a very well-bound contract between these two people, which is witnessed by uh, others and then is celebrated in the community. Now the two have been put into a space where their relationship can grow and they can have a level of trust with each other. Mm. You know, you can't walk out just like that. She can't just turn around and say, I don't want to be with you anymore. This is an official thing. Mm. And any rational person would see, you know, the benefit behind that and the... Uh, Negatives behind casual relationships, yeah. and people, you know, they uh, they try to rationalize it, but the fact is that every person wants trust in the relationship. Yeah, every person wants it. But how do you induce trust into a relationship? You need some formality. You need mm. some kind of code, and this is what this is what Islam gives us. You know, it mm. gives us that recipe to help create that trust. Very good, very good points. Um, let me just move on because uh, I want to get to you know, something which people are listening are probably going to say, oh, it's so negative. These mm. guys are talking about something so negative, right? Speak about something positive. I thought it all about positivity, right? Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you need to address certain issues, right? Yeah. As, as, as part of education, educating uh, others. Um, and obviously yourself as, as an imam who's far more experienced than myself, you know, and, and a counsellor, you know, and ev- everyone knows that so something like you know divorce yep. is is on the rise and and relationships marriages are breaking up um for whatever reason that may be right um and there's many factors which are which are involved in this and i myself have seen it and it's not you know any any person that just has a small insight especially in the muslim community yeah right we can talk about it in general but if we speak about even the muslim community small insight you will see that there is a huge huge problem um, marriages breaking up left right and center yep. horror stories um, people reaching out people emailing sending dms you know just in very difficult vulnerable situations um let's maybe ask this question first as to why is it that we've got to this stage not that divorce was never a thing before mm. divorce has always been a thing and we know that obviously divorce is something which you can resort to it's not like haram you can resort to as a last option once you've gone through the procedures but why do you why do you think uh, there might be different factors but why do you think personally that divorce is on the rise and marriages are breaking up divorce is definitely on the rise according yeah. to the office for national <coughs> statistics in this country in 2012 mm. the rate of divorce was around about 42 percent 42 percent 42 percent in 2012 that was wow. okay and in 2017 there was uh, there was in in that one year alone more than a hundred thousand divorces that took place in this country. Okay. Um, what's really shocking, even more than that, is that the average lifespan of a marriage in the UK twenty seventeen is twelve and a half years, which is shocking because it means mm. that you have broken a marriage after spending, which is probably the most you know wonderful part of your youth with this person, and maybe you had kids as well. Yeah. You know. That's a bigger divorce than a divorce in the first couple of years. Yeah. Uh, another shocking thing is um, the age that people are getting divorced at in this country is between the age of 40 and 50. Wow, okay. So you're thinking like... So at definitely that, in that age where your parents, you're definitely parents, your children are... are yeah, you know. your parents and, you know, why would you get divorced when you spend most of your life yeah, yeah, with yeah, this yeah. person? Uh, what is there to come after this? 
you know. I mean, yeah. inshallah, you could move on and do other things, but what would really motivate you? Yeah. You know, I can understand a 20 year old saying, you know what, I'm going to cut myself loose, I'm yeah. going to go and do something else. But at that age, right, mm. what would you do? Maybe that's just non Muslims. But yeah. you know what? I remember one of my teachers a couple of years ago, he said, I want everyone to do a mental exercise. I want you to think about 10 people from your own circle of friends and family that got married and then count backwards at how many got divorced. It took a minute mm. to do that. I came up with the figure of four out of ten. And I was shocked to see that almost half of the audience came up with the same figure or more. Mm. Which is like, what? 50% of Muslims are getting divorced. Wow. Which is basically on par with what's yeah, happening, stats, in, in, yeah. with, in, happening amongst non-Muslims. Yeah. It is a huge problem. Um, mm. Everyone knows that a happy marriage with love and warmth uh is good not just for the couple but for their children's mental and physical well-being mm. and everyone knows now with lots of studies that show that children if they are brought up in a broken home with neglect or abuse they end up to have behavioral problems educational problems mm. there's a predisposition to crime etc etc and that's why subhanallah the prophet sallam he highlighted the you know the eagerness of shaitan to destroy marriage in the mm. authentic hadith in Sahih muslim in every evening he said iblis he puts his throne on the water meaning out there in the ocean in the world of the jinns iblis comes out and all of his soldiers they flock towards him trying to vie for his attention yeah. and the person said that one of them will say you know i did this really evil thing i did this yeah. really evil thing and shaitan will say i've done nothing whatsoever mm. until one of them will come and say you know what i never left them until i caused them to split mm. and at that the person says that iblis he says you've done a wonderful thing another narration he gets off his throne and he hugs him why does iblis take so much joy in breaking a marriage mm. it's because of the repercussions of that and my mom she's been a counselor for maybe 30 years now dealing with couple counselling uh, she says that when people divorce when couples divorce oftentimes they divorce their children as well mm. what that means is that they get they split up but they will use their children intentionally or unintentionally to score f- to to basically for their own interests mm. by turning them against the other person turn the kids against the husband turn the kid turn the kid he turns a, he turns them against yeah. the, the wife and the social ills that are created from that are so numerous that iblis he recognizes that you know if i could just destroy this one relationship mm. i'll create havoc in the community and subhanallah one of my teachers recently he said something quite amazing he said that if you want unity of the ummah focus on unity of the family Mm. If the family are united, then we are in a better position to unite as an ummah itself. 100%. So the question about why people are getting divorced mm. is, a, is a lengthy one. I mean, I, I mentioned a few things. <clears throat> yeah. One of them I've already mentioned, which is people are not, don't have clarity on why they get married in the first place. Yes. So if you're clear that I got married in order to take that step towards Allah, yeah. to find great stability, to protect myself from temptation, lust and desires, in order to have a family that I will raise to leave as a legacy that will help me in the grave, yeah. then you will be able to tolerate a lot of the difficulties that come your way when your marriage begins to go through mm. difficult times. 
That, I guess like that first point, just to just yep. focus on that for a second, it, it links in. That's the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned the stats and when you said that it's between the age of 40 and 50, yeah. people get divorced and we find that quite strange. But maybe it's the fact that because there was no clarity to begin with yeah. and then there, there, there were problems in the marriage which they kind of just brushed under the carpet and got... It just gets to a stage where all of that builds up. You get to that age of 14 and it's like, you know what, I can't take any more. Yeah. And that's it. It's you, you end the marriage there and then. So it kind of, there is a link. There's there a is a link, link isn't it? My mum's got this wonderful, <laughs> quite a wonderful, but it's, uh, it's about something quite negative. She's got this okay. wonderful description of marriage problems. She says a marriage problem is like a leaking tap in a bathtub. Yeah. So every day, tap, 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 there's a little drop that falls into this bathtub. And it's unnoticeable because it's just one drop yeah, of water. Yeah. But after a certain amount of time, it will reach the brim. And then the one drop will fall and there will be a flood. Mm. And the beauty of that, of that analysis is that some problems become irreversible if you leave them for too long. Yeah. And I think this is another reason why people are, or divorces on the rise, that mm. there's no... There's, there's no uh, communication about problems and dealing with them and yeah. what's fascinating is in the quran in surah tahrim allah tells us that the person he once had a marriage problem yeah which to be honest is quite reassuring for <laughs> regular people like yeah, me yeah. that if you're going through a marriage problem you're like hang on a minute the prophet actually also went through a marriage yeah. problem as well i can read about it inside the quran the story goes that he told one of his wives a secret and she leaked it to a co-wife mm. so it's like a breach of trust an issue has arisen mm. Now the, the Quran tells us that the way he dealt with that that he divulged or he told her about a part of it and he kept another part away meaning he communicated what the issue was but he did it in an indirect way mm. which is quite amazing because it shows us number one that he did communicate his feelings when he saw there was a problem mm. a lot of people they like to throw things under the carpet and say you know it'll get better by itself yeah. sometimes they do other times they don't they only snowball and become worse mm. so the first thing is look i need to if i see that this is a problem let me let me address it but how are you going to address it are you going to lose your cool are you going to start insulting shouting screaming no the Prophet ﷺ, he did it in a way that was indirect. Mm. As if he was kind of alluding to the fact that I know that you told someone my secret, but you know, I would appreciate it if you hadn't done this and you know, your trust means a lot to me, etc. etc. So she's sitting there thinking, does he know or does he not know? You know, because the way he's talking about it is being very indirect. And what that does is that it prevents a person from becoming defensive. It stops the clash of egos and it makes a person more more willing to change mm. for the other person. Mm. Even though I'm wrong, the way he's dealing with it is in such a nice, loving, respectful way. You know what? I, I'm not going to do that again because that's just really bad of me. Mm. So communication is, is one thing. The other thing is tolerance. I think, I've you know, my mom, she, she said that one of the shortest weddings she's, she's heard of was one day long. And one day long one day long yeah wow. so what happened was that um yeah they had the nikah on one day the next is walima and the nikah yeah. what happened is that the groom mm. fashionably turned up late okay right? he turned right. up late maybe trying <coughs> to make a statement or whatever <laughs> okay so the sister's there you know the sister if she comes earlier than the guy on the wedding day is yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah that's not a good yeah, look yeah, yeah. so what happened is that nothing was said the next day walima now the sister comes fashionably late. You are one hour late. I come two hours late. 
They sat on the stage, on the stage, on the couch. He said, do you know why I came late? Because you turned up late yesterday. You're never going to oh do that to me God. again. The guy was so f- furious. He said, what? I divorced you. I don't want to be with you anymore. No, they no. got married on the Walima. Wow. Think, oh my God. I mean, so they got divorced on the Walima. I think to myself, subhanAllah, what is going on here? Oh my God. It's literally no, no tolerance. And I yeah. think our parents, they had that over us. Mm. You know, people can take it to extreme. There is a, there is a, a saying, uh, my wife told me about this saying that uh, you leave in a red suit, you come back in a coffin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is what the the father will say to his daughter when she gets yeah. married. Basically, you go, don't come back. Okay, the only yeah. way you're gonna come back is in, which is extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, which obviously that and that leads to another problem, completely separate, which is that you know yeah. the stigma that's attached to a divorcee, for example. You know, something went wrong yes. down the line, which might not even be her fault. Yeah, but then because of that, she has to suffer for the rest of her life. That yeah. is obviously another issue, isn't it? That this is, yeah, yeah. this is. So the the opposite extreme of you know whatever happens, don't come back home. Mm. Is at the first sight of a problem, I've seen this. Mm. The daughter she phones her mum and says, "Mum, you know what? Um, things not going too well. You know, I had a bit of an argument last night." And what does mother say? Your bed is still warm over here. Come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forget about him. Forget about him. This is another extreme yeah, because yeah. now the husband has to win over the heart of his wife and his mother-in-law and the father and all the charges and charges that have got involved by <laughs> yeah. this time as well. So my advice is, brothers, sisters, you need to learn to have a big heart. Yeah, There will be annoyances. You need to ignore them. Mm. Big things, address them. Small things, ignore them. Don't keep diaries of sins. You know, and you have an argument saying, yeah, yeah well, last year, March 20, you know, 20th of March, you said exactly, I've got to read it down here word for word. If you chase people's mistakes, yeah. it just causes bitterness. Learn to just be tolerant, let things Tolerance. go. And in, in Arabic, they call this taghafal. Mm. Imam Ahmad rahimullah, said that nine-tenths of formidable character is taghafal, which means being easygoing with people's mistakes. Mm. You know, this is a recipe of success in every relationship, in particular marriage. Yeah, I think uh, so, so. So that that is a really good point about tolerance. Yeah, uh, definitely a big one. Uh, I think you know we kind of touched on it before, which is the expectations as well. You know what your expectation of marriage is, um, and then not like expecting too much or not expecting like you know so much from your spouse because again that could lead to disappointment because yeah. they're still human beings they've got other things to do and i had um an incident a few months actually that uh, literally i think two months after the actual nikah was done um the guy was complaining because um he was like you know i think i may have made the worst decision in my life okay uh, and we're like okay what's the issue issue was that it turns out that the girl he got married to um Literally, from from day one, hmm. she was expecting gifts like every day, like every okay. day. Okay, every time you come home, I need to have a gift. And then he's like, uh, and initially he thought, okay, like uh, I need to give gifts to my wife, not a problem. So he used to buy gifts, and then it was it was like, no, but I want like Gucci, I want top of the range. <laughs> okay, and this is like regularly, yeah, like right. she's expecting top of the range stuff, sh- brand new shoes, brand new bags, mm. all the time, and he's like. Act- I literally can't afford it. Yeah. Like I cannot afford it. I can't keep up this lifestyle. Two months in and he's already thinking of finishing wow, this, ending this. Why? Because clearly there's that, 
you know, she had a certain expectation. Yeah. And we could say this should have been maybe discussed beforehand, you know, before you even got into the marriage, you should have made things clear, ironed out the details, you know, like, yeah. this is this is what I'm like, this is what I can afford kind of thing, right? Yeah. But I think that is also what I've seen is is a huge thing. You know, people expect something or they expect their wife, the, the opposite has happened where the guy has expected his wife to do this, that, come into the house and do everything, mm. sort everything out. Yeah. Uh, and then when she doesn't, it's like, oh, but... I expected you to do that. So that's another huge clash I've realised. It is, it is. I think this is, you know, one of those things when you're looking for a spouse, Mm. what kind of things to ask about. And one of the things you should ask about is the type of lifestyle the other person lives. Yeah. You know, for a a brother who wants a very homely wife. Mm. A lot of brothers, they shouldn't be shy to admit that. Mm. They want a homely wife. Mm. Yeah. How do they verify that? How do they find out whether or not their wife or their wife-to-be will, or this girl will be like this? Yeah. Awesome. Where do you spend most of your time? How much time do you spend with your family, your grandparents, your nephews, your nieces, your cousins? Mm. Do you like to go out often? Um, you know, the majority of your free days spent where? Those mm. kind of questions will give you an idea uh, as to, you know, the type of lifestyle that uh, this sister lives. Yeah. You know, um, this is one thing. But the other thing is in the marriage itself, you can raise expectations yeah. with communication. Yes. You know, you can. So, I mean, I'll tell you a very extreme story. I'll change the details a little bit to just to, for confidentiality purposes. But there was a brother, uh, you know, he got married. And after two years, mm. got divorced. And everyone's in sh- were really shocked because what they saw were two people that really loved each other. Yeah. And uh, they're very close. And why, why did you get divorced, basically? So this person came to get some advice and uh, the reason why they end up getting divorced is because he said they became friends and uh, so I was like what do they you mean? They became friends. Became friends, yeah. yeah. It means that you know we, we weren't intimate with each other. I was like for two years you never slept with each other. It goes well what happened is in the beginning I tried to but I didn't know how to and yeah. so it didn't it, it never happened. Okay. And I thought maybe, you know, there's something wrong with me. Mm. Now, we tried a second time. Yeah. And the second time, again, it didn't happen. And it didn't work. And what happened is that we just resigned ourselves to the fact that there's something wrong with us. Meaning, he thought there's something physically wrong with him. She thought there's something physically wrong with her. Okay. But they never spoke about it. Right, I see. So then they just became friends. And then their, wow, their okay. mum was like, where's the grandchildren? Come on, man. The yeah, auntie's yeah, uncle's yeah. like, yeah, where's the children? Where's the children? Yeah. And then it became too much. Then so they said, you know what? We just have to get divorced. Wow. So I was like, hang on a minute. Didn't you talk about this? They were like, no, we never spoke about it. Uh, and they, I was like, they literally just shut man. that door and yeah it was it. just a total lack of communication uh-huh. could have saved that could have saved that marriage so I, I'd advise brothers and sisters that look you can manage expectations you can raise expectations mm-hmm. it's all, all all down to communication yeah you know as long as something which is halal and tayyib and something yeah. that is going to help you mar- help your marriage from within the halal you know nothing's off the table mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if your marriage is going through a difficult time Mm, yeah, so I think a lot of what we're talking about is coming down to communication. Like I said, it's that yeah. one key word: communication, communicating with each other, speaking to each other. Uh, going back to uh, one incident you mentioned earlier about, you know, in-laws, right? This is a huge thing. In-laws <laughs> is like <laughs> when you mention in-laws because yeah. of marriage, it's like oh my god. Especially on social media, it's actually 
I don't know how much attention you pay, but like you know something like Twitter, for example, right? Mm. Twitter's an ajib world of social media because it's not like Instagram. Pe- people posting pictures. Uh, Facebook is like general. Insta- uh, on Twitter, you'll find people are a lot more personal because mm. it's it's just words, isn't it? So they're they're talking about different issues, right? Things are trending and people are talking about. It. So when it comes to marriage, one thing I've realized on Twitter, especially if you if you just even you can probably do a search and you'll find it, right? In laws. Okay. It's like the death term now. Wow. Where people are literally saying, and these people are not even married, but they're saying like, okay, when I when I do get married, my in-laws they're nothing to me. Wow. Or you know, if if someone tells me I need to do something for my mother-in-law, hell no, I'm not doing it. Stuff like that. So they've already got this attitude. Yes. Where in-laws are like this thing, like oh my god, I, I want nothing to do with them, and you know, in, in-laws are just you know, vile moon. They're gonna oppress me, and yeah. you know, they've got this negative image. So obviously, when you go into a marriage like that. And and already your mother-in-law, father-in-law is your enemy yeah. <laughs> on your hit list. Clearly, nothing's gonna work. You know, if you've already made your mind up, I've it's, in the Muslim community, I've realized this is it. Yeah. This is what people and obviously, it's based off. There's horror stories. Yeah, you know, and and clearly there are in-laws that do. Yeah, a lot of them are true. Yeah, a lot of them are there's true a lot of oppression yeah. that takes place. But because of that, for you to shut it all off now and like you know, firstly, can we just actually since we're on the topic, can we just talk about very briefly? the actual role of an in-law, like Islamically. Mm. So for example, if I were to get married, right, and then I now have a mother-in-law, father-in-law, right, what is my obligations and duties towards them? What are they to me? Are they literally like my mother and father now, mm. my second mother and father? Like, what is that? What is that? Let's talk about that because maybe a lot of people don't know. Okay, so um, when, when, when two people get married, yeah. you, you create a family. Two mm. families have come together. So they are relatives in a in 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 looser yeah. way in terms of the term being family a looser way they are still they have become your family. Mm. The problem is when people become technical about these things and say what exactly are their rights over me? What are mm. my rights over them? When it comes to relationships, it doesn't work like that. A relationship doesn't work like you know what's what's her right over me? I'll do that and then she has yeah, to do yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. If you have a tick box mentality when it comes to relationship, you'll find that they. They break down mm-hmm. very quickly. Definitely. Relationship is based on love. Mm-hmm. It's based on rahmah. And subhanAllah, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about the man and woman, وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً A very famous verse. Allah says we created between them two things. Number one, mawadda, which translates to love, but more accurately means the show of love or affection. Mm-hmm. And secondly, secondly rahmah. These two terms are not rights. They're not rights. Mm-hmm. They are to do with values. Yeah. To do with attitudes. And uh, if you think about it, you know, any relationship for it to flourish, there needs to be compassion and there needs to be some show of care and especially mm. in marriage, love and affection. Yeah. So I don't like it when people ask me, what's what's my what's her mm. rights over me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is her right over me? Because I say that's a wrong question. Mm. That's not the way it should work. Having said that, if someone asked me, you know, how should I treat my in-laws? Yeah. I would say that treat them with respect, yeah, with good manners, but do not let them interfere with your marriage. Mm. Yes, and this is this is a difficult line to to That's follow. It, I guess how do we how are we going to define what does interference mean now? Yeah. So, first of all, how big a problem is interference mm. uh, in divorce rates? So, one of my teachers told me about one of the great judges in Syria, Sheikh Ali Antadawi, mm. uh, Allah. He's a, one of the most formidable scholars of the 20th century. He became a judge in, in the Syrian courts and then he moved to become the head, mm-hmm. yeah, the leading judge in the country. 
and he oversaw family problems, family cases, uh, family law for most of that yeah. time. He said that uh, from his experience, 40% of all divorces are created because of interference by extended family. 40%. 40 okay, percent. That is a big number. Yeah, 40%. Yeah. So this is a person who's got expert insight into this yeah. and, he's, and, he's, and he's talking about this. So it's a, it is a huge thing. Mm. Also, the Prophet ﷺ, he himself was a father-in-law to Ali. Mm. Ali was his cousin. He's, he raised him, so he's almost like a son. And then Ali marries the daughter of the Prophet Fatima, عنها, and now he becomes the son-in-law of the Prophet ﷺ. There's a few interesting narrations about uh, the marriage between the two of them. One says that one day Fatima and Ali had an argument and the person came to visit his daughter. He comes inside and he sees Ali is missing. He says, where is Ali? And Fatima says, we had an argument and he's left. Right. Mm -hmm. So you know when you say, oh, you have an argument, you sleep on the couch. He was sleeping on the couch. He was sleeping on the floor in the masjid. So the person, he goes into the masjid, he sees Ali laying on the floor. There's no carpet, so there's, there's just soil. His yeah. top, Kameez uh, has come off so it's like dust of his body and the person walks up to him and says Qum ya Aba Turab. he says stand up O father of dust and he starts to pat him down yeah. now subhanAllah why I find fascinating about that narration is that he's a father-in-law he mm. just heard that my daughter's upset because this one here said something to upset her right? Yeah. but he didn't go up to him and start interrogating him mm. hey, what did you say to my daughter yeah? you're sleeping over here why Tell me what happened. I want to know every single thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you going to make up to her? Nothing. He just said, stand a father of dust. And Ali would later years, he would say, you know, the, my favorite nickname is the father of dust. <laughs> so he <laughs> reminisces about that experience as yeah. being a positive one. Yeah, yeah. Yes. In another narration, <clears throat> Fatima comes to the Prophet and says, she complains about her hands becoming very coarse, dry skin, because of the sheer workload she has to do at home. She asked for a servant to be given to her uh, from some of the Bayt al that the Prophet has, uh, you know, is in charge of. The Prophet he said, I can, but I'll tell you something better. When you go to sleep, say SubhanAllah 33 times, Alhamdulillah 33 times, Allahu Akbar 34 times. Yeah. And she accepted the advice. The point of this narration is, couldn't he have said, why is your husband allowing you to work this much? Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he do this himself? Mm. Why isn't he looking after you so your hands don't become more dried and cut up? He didn't interfere in their marriage. He wanted to give them the space so they could work things out themselves. That doesn't mean that if your daughter comes to you and says, my husband is treating me really badly, do something. And you say, no, mm. it's your problem. That's not what we're talking about. That's extreme. But we're talking about don't pry into what's happening in your daughter's marriage. Yeah. Because by doing that, you may actually create problems because... A problem between two people has now become a problem between three, four, five, and whoever else yeah, finds yeah. out. You know, there's always an auntie with a satellite as well, so she just <laughs> pings it up there and then everyone yeah, finds yeah. out about what's going on. It's just become a problem out of, out of control. So mm. be respectful, be kind, but don't let people dictate what happens in your marriage. So as so basically as an as someone who is an in law, a, a father in law or, or, or a mother in law. Like I don't know the own feed demographics, I don't know how many mm. mother in law and father in laws are listening, right? Usually it's the younger generation. But if that is so, what we're saying is that don't interfere too much. Yeah. But then coming back to the original question is that, you know, do you like what is your then like, do you ask any questions at all? Do you try to not get involved? You know, I guess interfering is one thing, getting involved. I don't know if, if, you, if you see what I'm trying to say, like 
do they just completely get their daughter married or, or son married and like khalas that's it you guys do whatever you want kind of thing is it like that or is there some role that they they would you, play you you have you, you give them the space yeah yeah to, space yeah you give them the space and intentionally make sure that they have um mm. a chance to develop that trust and understanding yeah. by themselves independent of your input mm. and i think for mothers is proves more difficult than for fathers yeah yeah uh, but they must realize that you're not doing your son any favors you know by prying in their marriage and trying to find out what's going on and giving yeah. your own take on why she does what she does yeah um having said that as a fatherly figure as a motherly figure just finding out how your son is doing mm. is just a normal part of conversation of course, and there's yeah. obviously nothing there's nothing wrong with that there's a there's a jokes parlot about the extreme understanding of in-laws so yeah. a person asks a sheikh sheikh uh, or a sister asks sheikh sheikh what do i do if i miss my in-laws he said well i reload and try again <laughs> as if yeah, there's, there's no way you can think of your in-laws in a positive oh, man, way but th- this is this is something we need to step away yeah, from yeah, we definitely. can't be that negative uh, to the point that you know a lot of sisters they say before we get married do I have to live with your parents mm. or do I have to live with my in-laws and though that is a legitimate question to be so sensitive on this one issue is not helpful especially mm. when let's be honest it's becoming increasingly more difficult for sisters to find yeah, yeah. a husband yeah there's more sisters than brothers and there's a, a, a whole set of other problems as well yeah, but yeah. the fact is that you know there needs to be a bit more um mature understanding about extended family and uh, you know trying to work yeah. uh, with what with what is presented before you yeah so you know like uh, on a on a real Uh, like you know cuz you cuz you're dealing with these issues so do you feel like it is a huge thing even I mean, we, we said that stat from you mm. know Ali Tantawi rahimahullah but like today in 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 the UK or you know is it a huge thing still I'm like interference I'm from Indians yeah i mean there's a there's an incident with a brother he's got married and he doesn't have money so he has to live with his parents for the foreseeable future yeah a lot of mothers they struggle to let go of their sons mm. so the son has got married but because there's another woman in the picture yeah the mother unintentionally she uh you know puts pressure on that marriage or causes issues between the two of them and this one brother he said to me that you know since i've been married my mother she removed the door of my room whoa she removed the door of my room i was like what That's extreme he goes because you know she 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 doesn't want us to be you know together uh, and uh, you know to That's this crazy. level and i was like wow but it, it's unfortunately it is does happen where yeah. in-laws you know they they are unfortunately um falling prey to these kind of uh, misbehavior mm. and they, they they regret it because you know you, if your daughter gets uh, divorced she's going to come back to your home yeah and the people are going to start asking questions it's been five years since we divorced why didn't she get married again yeah and you're like yeah because this is a taboo about divorces you know and especially mm. for women getting married again it's yeah. just almost out of the picture so yeah. you know that type of life no one predicted it but it's a reality if you for women that get divorced you know the future unfortunately is not bright mm-hmm. uh, and that's a factor which we need to be mature enough to take into consideration when thinking about divorce mm-hmm. you know what is life going to be like after divorce is it going to be really that good am i going to be free am i going to be able to live my life happily or am i going to am i going to put myself in a situation where i'm going to be stuck in another way yeah now there's there's the element of temptation 
and mm. lust and desire you know all of these things going ar- around me am i able to protect myself mm. these are some things that people need to consider yeah because i mean we spoke about like you know how how in-laws kind of interfere but you also have the other the the other kind of extreme we could call it which is that the husband or wife themselves they go home and and, and blab everything yeah. they blab everything out they're like oh this is what's happening in my marriage so again there's no interference like the the parents they're just getting on with it yeah and it's the actual son or the daughter going home and saying or calling them up and saying oh by the way this is what happened we had another yes. argument and that is also wrong isn't it because then it's like not only are you you know mentioning something that's personal that you should be dealing with but now now you can't blame your parents if they're trying to get involved you know yeah. that kind of thing or worse than that on social media oh my god yeah telling people about well. your other half on social media and intimacies and this yeah, and the other well. it's really it's really bad the biggest the the, the, the most precious bond of trust is between the husband and wife mm-hmm. and people have to be very sensitive about what they say about the other half yeah. you know it should be on a needs basis if there is a need to tell someone about something personal okay you may have a basis but otherwise yeah. Don't speak about your other half. And even, alhamdulillah, if Allah has blessed you with a sound, happy marriage, yeah. you know, there's so many people that are haters out there. There's so much negativity. Mm. There's so much hasad and ayn. I recommend people, you know, don't promote your happy marriage. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> this is like against Instagram culture, right? So couple goals and everything else. People want to take pictures of them each other yeah. when they're on holiday, eating together. And yeah. it may even be fake, but even if it's real, you're setting yourself up for lots of problems because mm. people out there they're like they they're suffering. Yeah. They don't have that. They don't have it and they wish they could have it. They could they yeah. crave for it and then shaitani just turns that into jealousy and then you know you you start you know feeling the effects of that in your own relationship. Yeah. I mean so one question that I had which is let's say there is now, you know, and and naturally there's going to be arguments and there's going to be there's going to be things kicking off in the home right between the husband and the wife. So what would your advice be, you know, let's say you're now regularly starting to see a few conflicts now a few problems occurring yep. what would your advice be what steps should you take before for example the guy just gets so angry he just says the words of divorce yeah. and a lot of the times they regret it later they come back they come to the imam yeah Sheikh, you know what i didn't actually mean it i was angry i said I it three times yeah, as it's if, the same. As if anyone gets divorced with exactly. uh, love on their mind you know oh, i exactly. love you so much so before he gets to that you. or before the the girl does feel like you know, I'm just going to go back home yep. to my parents' house where I was happy <laughs> before, right? So before any of that, what would you say uh, like a sensible decision would be for a husband or a wife uh, to make? So the first step is always to sit down and talk about things. And this yeah. study has shown that the first few sentences of a difficult conversation can dictate the outcome of that conversation. So, for example, you've had, you found out something that your other, other half has done which really yeah. has angered you, frustrated you, um, and now you want to address it. So what should you do? Sit down and don't start off the conversation like, how could you do that to me? I left my first wife because of the same thing. Now, the next few sentences most probably are not going to lead to a positive outcome. It's playing the blame game immediately, basically. It's like spinning the blame straight. But if you had had started with, I know you didn't mean to hurt me Mm. because you love me, I love you. But what you said, it Mm. really did hurt me. Mm. You know? And now... That conversation can go down a path of reconciliation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the amazing things in the Quran, Allah in Surah An-Nisa spoke about marriage difficulties and breakdown and the yeah. steps that people need to take to resolve them. 
And one of the interesting things in that passage, Allah says, إِنْ يُرِيدَ إِصْلَاحٍ يُوَفِّقِ اللَّهُ بَيْنَهُمَا That if both of them truly want to reconcile, Allah will make it happen. Which is amazing yeah. that Allah will take ownership of your marriage mm. and make it work out so long as you're being genuine with each other that, you know what, whatever happened, I still want this to succeed. Yeah. I want it to work out uh, for my benefit, for your own benefit, for the benefit of the children. Mm. And inshallah, if you come at it with that attitude, things things can things can end up, you know, in maybe in a, even a better place yeah. than where they started off. So this is the first step, to yeah. sit down and communicate what you want to say. The second thing is... If you cannot resolve the problem, yeah. and it's a significant problem, don't be too shy to get professional help. You need to see a, a couple counsellor, see one. Yeah. I know many <clears throat> cases where people, they thought their problems were unresolvable. After seeing a specialist, after mm. seeing a professional, they managed to work things out. And many so times it does help. Because some it people can, think, oh, yeah. it's like some random person. I need to go sit down and talk about my problems. I mean, it, I'll be it, honest. I was one of those. I was, I was that guy. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many years ago, I was like, counseling, <laughs> psychiatrist. It's about Quran and Sunnah. You know? <laughs> what is it all about? Yeah. So, but then because my mum, she's involved in counseling. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it happened. It, it kind of dawned on me, the significance on it, when a friend of mine he was going through marriage problems, which I didn't know about. Mm. He's actually, anyway, yeah, he's a friend of mine. And uh, he was actually getting counselling from my own mum oh. with his wife yeah. for over a period of six <clears throat> months. And the really amazing thing is that he was actually coming to my, <laughs> my house with his wife to get that counselling. And I had no idea. Right. Yeah. So then he's after, you know, things got resolved, we went out for a meal and he said, you know what, after Allah, if it wasn't for your mother, I'd be divorced right now. Wow. I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I've been getting counselling and I had anger management problems and I yeah. realised that a lot of it is to do with my childhood and my parents when they got divorced and yeah, I was really yeah. angry and when, you know, I heard about how it can affect you and I was given some practical tips, alhamdulillah, you know. Mm. And that was a that was one, um, like a friend, so someone who's yeah, on yeah. my level, thinks like me and then I was like, okay, yeah. this thing is serious. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is not one of those... Hocus pocus. There might be some people out there that are not doing yeah, it properly, yeah, yeah. but there is substance <clears throat> behind that. And yeah. my advice, especially to brothers, do not be shy to get that help, mm. because what's on what's on the line is your marriage, you know. And the other thing is that when you get divorced, without trying to exhaust effort yeah. to make it right, the next marriage you get into, you'll always have a question mark in your mind: What was the issue before? Yeah. Was it me? Was it her? And then that will play on your mind in the next marriage. And that may even ruin it. Yeah, so at yeah. least when you've exhausted your effort to make things work and then got divorced, you've got peace of mind that, you know what, between me and Allah, I know I did my best. Yeah. I got help from other people. I tried to work out myself. It didn't It didn't happen, so I ended it with a divorce. Now if I move on, I can move on knowing where I stood. Yeah. And, and especially, like you said, men can be shy. It's kind of in our nature not to you know to kind of reserve your emotions not not it's that macho of, look isn't it yeah exactly right yeah. so and and when it but comes they to wear marriage, pink t-shirts all the time right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's so when it comes to marriage it's like you can't do that right you have to obviously you know share what you're feeling yeah with your spouse or you know if it did come to counseling then not to kind of shy away from it and to at least you know um 
there's benefit. Yeah, there's, there's, there's tremendous benefit. benefit you know, just talking to someone about your yeah, yeah. issues. Exactly. But to do it early as well, you know, to do That's it early. True. A lot of people they let it linger. Yeah, yeah. Usually, when a brother comes to me and says I've got marriage problems, what he really means is I'm gonna get divorced tomorrow. Yeah. You know, can I get your help? And you're like, Habibi, why didn't you come a few months ago? And these things are starting up. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So you know, you need to do it. You need to keep your eye on the ball, and when you needs help reach out it's, there's nothing wrong with that definitely so obviously like i said a lot of people could say we're talking about negative things mm. but um you know these are important issues like we said you mentioned the statistics is real it's a growing uh trend is on the rise and that's why it's important for people to be educated i think as well for anyone who's not married obviously there's that important element of being educated about yeah. marriage before you even go into it because again there's this whole romanticized idea oh, i'm gonna just get married and i'm gonna live this life yeah but, if you don't know, like, you know, you said, you said, like, you know, well, forget counseling, it's all about Quran and Sunnah. But yeah, there is that element, like, you should at least have some basics yeah. of what the, what the Quran, what, what have we been taught as Muslims about marriage, you know? How should we be with our spouses? Mm. I always mention that, you know, everyone's looking for the, the perfect ideal spouse, but no one's thinking about how I can become the perfect yes. ideal spouse. Yes. Everyone's looking for, and when you ask them, yeah, I want someone who's praying and I want someone who's this and that. And you're yeah. like, so are you praying, bro? No, 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 I'm, I'm still working on it, don't worry. No, she'll make me pray. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's the other one. It's like, no, she'll wake me up she'll for fudging. It's like, yeah. oh, come on, man, just get a grip, like, educate yourself a bit. Yeah. So that is that is also important. But let's, obviously, coming to the end of the podcast, let's talk about something more positive, which is, alhamdulillah, on the other hand, there's many marriages that are yeah. successful and people are, mashallah, happy. Um, how can we get to that? That's obviously what I want to end with. You know, what are the ingredients, so to speak, of a, of a happy, successful marriage? What would you say, Sheikh? I think the marriage you should look at as the gateway to your legacy right. because through this bond Allah has opened the doors for so much opportunity of khair. Mm-hmm. If you just think about your children, one of my teachers you'd say that make sure you have a competition between you and your wife, the first one to teach your child Surah Al-Fatiha. Mm-hmm. Whoever gets there first will have the ajr of that child saying it for the rest of their life and if they teach their children the ajr that mm-hmm. that will Continues. bring. So when that then that relationship comes together, something tremendous has happened because from now on in, every good that is generated be- because of this relationship and has an effect on later generations, a copy of that is going to keep on adding to your account when mm. you're in the grave. And then on the Day of Judgment, how many generations will come because of your marriage? Yeah. Every single one of them that has grown up and died on Iman and all the actions that came from it will be traced back to that decision you made, mm-hmm. that marriage, you know, and that is an untold amount of reward that yeah. awaits you. And that, that that's even a motivation to try harder in your marriage to make it work and successful just mm-hmm. so that, you know, your children uh, flourish in terms of their faith yeah. and their character. And then you have, you can tap into that reward. But on, on a personal level, even if you look at it like I'm a businessman, you know, uh, time is money. So mm. I need to make as much money as possible and I need to, you know, excel in my business endeavors. Mm. Your marriage is probably crucial to your success in business. Mm. Because if you have a problem at home, it's going to cloud your thought, your judgment. You're not going to be able to focus when you're at work. Mm. And so you're going to see the effects of that in your own business. So Very this true. one relationship, if you can keep it, you know, uh, in a good place, you will find that your productivity in life will increase as well. You know, they say about Imam Ahmad, subhanAllah, that after many years his wife passed away and then he got married the next day. The next day? 
the next day he, he he's looking for someone to get married and they were like yeah imam <laughs> why yeah, just yeah. passed away yesterday yeah, yeah. Uh, you're getting married the next day and he's like that woman she helped me to become who i am today wow i needed the support of her without that support who knows so in his marriage he saw you know the 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 um how it propelled him mm. to become a successful human being in, in his own right as a scholar Uh, and and that works both ways, yeah. you know. For for a sister, you know, t- she wants to be successful in every aspect of her life. She will need to work on her marriage. She mm. need to give importance to that. Um, and when it gets good, you will see it flows, mm. you know, in in other aspects of your life. So mental well being, physical well being, yeah. you know, all all of these things they are mm. directly connected to this one one relationship it needs it needs to be if it's worked on wallahi it's the best life mm. it is the best life you can have if you have a sound marriage you are living the best life and this is the, mm. one of the biggest blessings that allah can bestow upon you ask allah jalla wa to give it to every single one of us ameen may allah protect us from the wiswas of shaitan ameen ameen yeah. thank you for for that advice i had one last quick question just kind of bouncing off this whole um you know secrets to a happy marriage uh, what would you say about um romance mm. keeping the romance again because obviously um it's it's a you know coming back to expectations it's, it's obviously a natural expectation you yes. want to be romantic with your with your spouse um what does islam say about being romantic and again do you have any tips to maintain that throughout the years and not just within the honeymoon period yeah one advice i give is that every one every every month every six weeks have a a, a dinner Mm. and a muhasaba session with your wife what does this mean it means that you take your wife somewhere nice mm. not chicken and chips <laughs> something a bit nicer than that and your the phones are switched off nobody else is there children if you have children leave them with someone to take care of and you have a nice meal you enjoy each other's company and then you speak about the things that you want to achieve in the coming month yeah. in terms of your worship in terms of your character and the other person is listening he's just there to help solidify your goals mm. and to celebrate your success so it's to be like you know um this month i really want to increase my hifz of quran i've been slacking mm. you know hopefully maybe surah tahamun i'll memorize it during the next month and you'll be like that's a fantastic idea yep. you know every every day <clears throat> just put 15 minutes aside i'll take care of the kids for that time you just do your hifz and you know you you'll achieve it no problem mm. you did that last year as well and it worked really well for you and the same for the husband as well that he talks about his achievements that he wants to yeah, then this this way of evaluating is very important because no one knows you like your wife no yeah. one knows you like your husband they can be real with you come mm-hmm. on that's that's unrealistic no no come on you can do much more that a few years ago you were praying to hajj you know what are you struggling now for yeah. you know so and th- that's a romantic <clears throat> thing as well mm. which wife wouldn't like a husband every month he's going to take me out Exactly. And our people appreciate that experience. There's a narration about the Prophet Sallam that when he got married to Aisha radhiyallahu anha that uh, there was a bowl of milk and he presented it to her to drink. So she drank from it and then when he took it back he asked, "And which part did you drink from?" Mm. And when she pi- pointed to it, he turned it to his own lips and drank from the same part. Mashallah. Which is a bit hot under the collar, to be honest. <laughs> if you think about it, that's a very romantic gesture. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. this yeah. is the way of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There's nothing Salaam. wrong, nothing, uh, you know, in being romantic. Some people they aren't romantic because they don't know how to. Mm. People genuinely say, you know, "My, I never saw my mum and dad ever hold hands." 
I never saw mom and dad ever kiss. I don't know how to show that affection. Mm. So you go online, find a course, <laughs> learn how to be yeah. romantic. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't stay, don't stay like that. Recognize mm. your problem. Go seek some help. Mm. There's lots of things you can read and uh, do courses. Inshallah, halal ones to make you more romantic. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good positive end to to the to the show. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Nice practical good. tips to take away. Uh, well, Salah Subhanahu wa Taala. Honestly, so I really enjoyed the the discussion. I enjoyed it. Um, and obviously, um, in terms of what we discuss is about marriage and love hearts and stuff like that. But uh, you've actually got a book coming out, uh, inshallah soon, which is known as the Heart of the Quran. Yes. Um, which is a classical tafsir on. Um, Surah Yasin, I believe, right? Yes, yes. Um, when are we expecting that to come out? What are we expecting in this book? So, um, alhamdulillah, I've been working on this book for mm. a long time. My my personal interest is tafsir, but I noticed mm. that people can't connect with classical tafsir works yeah. because the language, because, you know, it's something a bit distant in terms of the terms that are used. So I mm. went for Surah Yasin and I researched the classical tafsir, but I didn't put it in an easy-to-understand English language complete with some diagrams, illustrations or tables, all these kind of neat things that people can engage with yeah. and made it into a book, alhamdulillah. Mm. Should be coming out in February next year, inshallah. Inshallah, look forward to it. Inshallah. Uh, thank you once again, may Allah bless you. And of course, all of our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you benefited from this, inshallah. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and on iTunes and drop a comment below, maybe leave some tips as well. Um, you know, uh, how you think that uh, we can, you know, work on marriage. Any marriage advice that you have, any tips that you have from your own experiences. And also let us know uh, what other topics you would want us to discuss on this show in the future, inshallah. From your host Shabir, from Ustad Asim Khan and the rest of the team, we will see you next time. Keep us in your du'as. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.